pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're back. Full attack mode after a full racing weekend. Welcome to the 5 to Go Racing Podcast, episode 151. For those that are counting, and thank you for excusing our absence last week. Had a crazy week with scheduling there. And we also had a tepid race in Las Vegas. So let's just skip right to the big daddy. Doug Fireball Turnbull here from the traffic team at 95.5 WSB. I'll be with my performance racing network siblings at Charlotte Roval this weekend, running that big old 2.3-mile road course for the Cup in the Xfinity Series Saturday and Sunday broadcast. So thank you for PRN allowing us to be on GoPRN.com and for WSB for allowing us to be on WSBRadio.com. I'm joined on the line by my WSB brother and a guy that has been full octane on the Von Hessler doctrine, entertaining the pants off me in a very platonic way. Eric Von Hessler, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. You can put your pants back on. Everything's good. <laughs> Fantastic, man. It's on 9 to noon every day, everybody, every Monday through Friday on terrestrial radio and in the podcast realms. And don't forget their podcast 30 most days on their Facebook page, the Von Hessler Doctrine. I'll let you Google that and figure out the spelling. And then joining us on the line, the man who makes a lot of things go fast and works on your transmissions if you let him, Dan Elliott in Dawsonville. How you doing, sir? Doing great. Hope everybody else is not waterlogged and uh, we can dry out a little bit before the week's out. Don't know if that's going to happen, but hope it will. Well, yeah, and I really hope that, honestly, after having the fiasco at Circuit of the Americas in May, and it was entertaining until it wasn't, right? I hope mm-hmm. that if, if it does rain a little bit at Charlotte this weekend, which I haven't looked at the forecast, that that is just a little bit because last year got ridiculous uh, on the Saturday race for sure. Even though it was very entertaining and one of a kind on my end, it was certainly hard for the drivers. All right, well, let's talk about some first time stuff here. Before we talk about the road, we need to get out, out of Talladega, and it's obvious what the big headline is. For once, boys, we're not going playoffs. And how does this affect the playoffs? The headline, the thing that gets it on ESPN, the thing that gets this deal talked about somewhere on Good Morning America or somewhere outside of the racing niche is Bubba Wallace going to victory lane, Bubba's first career win, the first win for the Michael Jordan co-owned 2311 Racing, of course, Denny Hamlin, the other hand in that uh, in that organization. It's the first time the McDonald's car has won since 1994 when Jenny Spencer did that at Talladega, and Bubba wins at a track where something infamous happened with the whole noose gate situation, too. We don't have to unpack all that, but it's a big win. Second time that a black driver has won in NASCAR's Cup Series, and the first time in 63, uh, no, excuse me, 58 years. Eric, you spoke very eloquently about this as you ended the Von Hessler Doctrine today, and and you're emotional about it more than just the first part of racial or cultural history there. So just kind of unpack what the win means to you and what you think it should mean to others, maybe. Well, I mean, I'm not I'm not immune to uh, the history that was made, and I I I have to I I reacted emotionally watching it. I I'm gonna be honest. I did I did shed some tears because. Um, I saw the moment that it got to Bubba during the it, it, there was a real moment there because I could see where, you know, and Bubba did the right thing that all drivers do. This is about the team and, and all of that. And then the question kind of got to him and it got real and it got human. 
And yeah. and I did respond to that. And I don't want to play that down. But, you know, that's out there and that's going to be covered, you know, endlessly as, as it should be. As a fan of uh, of NASCAR, it, it was more of that more than that to me in the sense that we've been talking here for years. You know, we, we need we need young people. We need new eyeballs. We need new fans. And it's uh, when you look at I think that this is going to lead to new eyeballs, younger eyeballs. Yes, ethnic. I'll throw that in there. New fans. Uh, we the, the sport has become too middle aged guys like me. I'm not I'm more than middle aged now, but uh, we it's difficult to get young new fans in motorsports. If you didn't grow up in it, if you weren't going to races when you were a kid, unlike a lot of other sports, it, you know, we're in a sport where you can win seven or eight out of 36 races and be considered to have dominated a season. It's you not, lose a lot more than you win, in other words. Even, yes. if, even if your favorite driver is the best driver, if you get up to, you know, they're not going to win most of the races. And people get attached to new sports through a team, uh, an individual, a winner. It's not like tennis, man. If you like there's like only two or three people at the top and they just keep handing trophies back and forth. So uh, um, not to, in a little bit of a way, like Danica got some some eyeballs, but she didn't win. So it's very right. difficult. It's very difficult to stay, to, to fall in love with a new sport. So outside of the history, what I'm looking at is uh, McDonald's got to victory uh, circle. That's a, a real good reason for McDonald's to not only stick around, maybe throw more money into the sport. Michael Jordan. I, I think we all felt like with the Denny Hamlin connection that this was for real. But, you know, how long do you stick around if you don't get wins? Uh, uh, he got a lot of help from Kurt Busch, who's going to be his teammate next year. I thought it was yeah. a good start. So I just looking at, for me, loving the association I just think it was a great day beyond the history that's that's obvious that was made there and is important. I just thought it was a great day because I thought, well, here's the reason for McDonald's to stick around. Here's a reason for Michael Jordan to stick around. You know, uh, uh, Pitbull is part of the ownership that bought Chip Ganassi Racing. If we're going to get young people, um, uh, different demographics involved, my experience with sports is, they need to attach themselves to somebody that does some winning in order for yeah. that to, for that fan base to solidify. So it's not the be all end all. It doesn't mean everything is going to be great here on as far as that's concerned. But I thought it was a really good day for NASCAR in because you're going to get the outside media. You're going to get uh, Good Morning America, like you said. Sports Center is going to cover it. Um, you know, I know a lot of purists might be like, well, they should be covering the sport because it's a great sport. Well, guess what? They don't. So every yeah. sport, every sport has to try to grow and you grow by getting new young fans. That's the only way that you grow as a sport. And I don't think that this is going to answer every every uh, problem or anything like that. I just think it was in that in those terms, I think it was very good for the sport. If um, uh, you know, with Danica being the first, you know, real kind of female driver on a real team, um, uh, awful lot of eyeballs, but they go away. You know, if if, if you don't win, they it, go away. It, so the, the um, splash it, was not as wet, so to speak. The splash was not as big, right? 
year right. three into that cup career, right? Okay, so you had the year one half season and then the year one, the first full season. And then by about three full seasons, you're like, all right. No, and, yeah. and, she, and, and any driver, whether it's Bubba or Danica Patrick, wants to be considered another driver. I mean, you know, and right. I mean, they, they want to be thought of as the same, certainly not less than and certainly not draw attention for anything but the fact that they're a driver. That's what they're there to do. And, and Bubba has made out, it very clear, you know. I do want, I want to point out that there's, there are a lot of differences there. It's kind of a simple kind of way to look at that. Bubba has come up as a racer through the system that gets you yeah. to the cup level eventually, you know, and, and Danica didn't. She came from a different series, and, and I think um, there was an awful lot of hype. Uh, you know, uh, Bubba's paid his dues the way drivers pay their dues. But you know what? There's a, we all know that it's hard to win in, at any level in NASCAR. It's harder to win at the cup level. Um, and we all know that there's a lot of good drivers. You don't, you don't usually end up in cup uh, unless you uh, deserve to get a shot there. But we all know a lot of good drivers that have never won a race. So it's just sure. never guaranteed. It's hard to get a, a fan base going. So I just think it was a good day. I don't think it was the ultimate day. I don't think it means that all the, all the problems with viewership over the years are going to go away, but it was just a good solid day on that front. I felt like another benchmark for sure. Dan, I'd like you to weigh in. You have a great eye on the sport and I appreciate your analysis, Eric, but Dan, what do you think? What I think, I think it was a, I felt like, and you and I had talked about it. I don't remember how much got on the program, but I felt like we got onto it on the program of, I felt like Bubba's win would come at Daytona or Talladega. Mm -hmm. He had glimpses of really, really running good as the season progressed. You, you and I both talked about that and, and how well he ran at Daytona and Talladega just got caught up in some of the incidences or uh, maybe the, maybe as he said a couple of times, the alignment of teammates or people didn't go with him. So this to me kind of um, cemented to me what I thought about his abilities as far as Daytona and Talladega were concerned, the plate races, as you might call them. But I think it was a great day. I think he put himself in that position to anybody could have raced hard to have put themselves there knowing that there was a chance that the rain was coming and it may be red flagged and, and may not restart. So he was able to do that. He, he solidly put himself in that position and then the opportunity was there. Uh, what I like to see it played out to the end. Yes, I would, but it's like any other race. We've watched it as the years have gone by and, and this is the way it turned out, and, and I definitely don't take anything away from him for how it ended up because he still put himself in that position to get that win. And, Doug, you and I both have seen him come from, you know, watch him run at Gresham. And, uh -huh. and the the road to Talladega, as, as Eric kind of alluded to, was um, it wasn't an easy road. And no. And we talked about Jordan and this being brought to another plateau. And I was wondering what would happen if the season had ended without a performance better than we've seen so far this year. And that kind of answered that question. So now we can move on, as you say, to the next level. And the only thing else that I really can say about that is, you know, this kind of adds 
for, for what Eric said about NASCAR, this really does add to the drive for diversity as far as the program, because I don't know if he was some of the first class that came through that program, but he's one of the earlier ones. One of the earlier ones, and and definitely a prominent fixture in that first part of that program. So uh, they've got to be feeling pretty good about that. I I think that um, on a lot of levels, uh, yeah, history was made, but also too, it's just um, you, you can't take anything away from Bubba and 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 what he was able to put together, and and Jordan and. Hamlin and whoever else put all that deal together. I think it was just all around good for everybody. Didn't feel, I I felt really good watching Hamlin give his first interview as a car owner who, who won. That made me feel really good. I thought, you know what? He looks like the real deal. You know, maybe we look up 20, 25 years and and he's still in there, you know, and that's good as well. It just, I don't, I, 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 I'm always a little bit, uh, you know, demographics and ethnicity and, and everything. And I've tried to I've tried to explain to people that NASCAR is or, or racing. You get to the NASCAR level, you get to the cup level eventually if you deserve to be there. But racing in general is such a family oriented, like families who go to watch races families who are in racing that's why you see at the local level and at the national level there's so often an attract a couple of different families you got the older guys you got the younger kids um in order if you want to see a more diverse sport you have to have a couple of breakout stars and yeah. then you start getting families I, I try to tell people you know a lot of local racing is you know, mechanics and people and and the son is a mechanic and they all work on things together. And it's kind of a pipeline. You have to get going. And 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 so hopefully this brings uh not just African Americans, but more ethnic people, eyes on the sport, more families going to their local tracks. That turns into more families deciding, let's build a car and try to race. And then you look up 10, 15, 20 years, it does take some time for a sport like uh, racing, where now all of a sudden you're talking about the second generation driver or the third generation driver. And I think that this can help. I think that that was already started by the diversity programs and such, but um, nothing, nothing, there's nothing like winning and, 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 and winning. And so hopefully there are more wins down the line. And we talk about Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin, you know, they brought in Kurt Busch for a reason, because no matter how the season goes, he tends to jump up and win a race or two uh-huh. and when he you're sure a does. young team. And so now he gets to join. And, yes, he's the mentor, but the guy that he's mentoring has won a race already. I think that helps yeah. the whole team. It, and we saw the pressure that's come off of people when they finally get that first win, you know, whether it's Ryan Blaney at Pocono in 2017, William Byron at Daytona in 2020, Chase Elliott, Watkins Glen 2018. When, we see that it usually unlocks something that uh, that that is that allows for running better because you're not trying to overdo things. And and Bubba, I don't think was expected to win regularly in the first season of this team that didn't even have a shop until the the end of the season or so last year or late in the off season. So hey, I wanted to point out a couple of things there. Uh, by the way, so Steve Loletta is the president of Team Twenty Three Eleven Racing. He used to be the president at Ganassi Racing. Kurt Busch is coming over from Ganassi Racing to drive the forty five car next year. And Denny Hamlin has said that he has acquired both a charter 
and a crew chief with whom Kurt would be familiar, although mm-hmm. no names were named. And and I have a feeling that just a feeling that crew chief might have come from Ganassi, possibly Matt mm-hmm. McCall, who doesn't know if he has a job next year because Ganassi is bought by Trackhouse Racing and is going to be, uh, you know, only one of the two teams will exist, and that'll be Ross Chastain driving a one car next season. Another thing to point out for Bubba's win, and not only was huge, you know, Bubba's first win, I just want to make sure I get the number right, in his 143rd cup start. And that puts him right on with, with even Chase there winning about in his fourth full-time season or so, right? Or, or Chase won in his third full-time season, Bubba in his fourth full-time season. And something else to note here, it was Booty Barker who is the interim crew chief on the number 23, who is a paraplegic in a wheelchair yep. that does that job, uh, which I've always thought was just, uh, just incredible how he even gets, how they get him around the car, you know, with that, with that, with yeah. that difficulty, yeah. right? Booty Barker won his first cup race in his 484th career start as a crew chief. And his first, uh, this is his first go round since 2017 in crew chiefing Ty Dillon. And he's been with Bubba now for a couple of races. So I love that. The first win for car number 23 since Al Keller at Oglethorpe <laughs> Speedway in Savannah in 1954. How about wow. that? Rudy Barker's <laughs> first win as a crew chief since being Scott Wimmer's crew chief in 2002 and what was then the Bush series. And what was that car number, boys? Well, it was number 23, of course. There you, there go. you go. Lucky That's number. why we listened to five to go. I found that stuff myself. All right. <laughs> Great work. Great uh, but work. I, I, no, I'm not trying to pat on the back. It's just I, I love all the symmetry. The you know, first win for the McDonald's car, 27 years, and that was at, of course, where Talladega. So it's just really cool. All right. So, something else I want to mention two more pieces from Talladega here is we do five to go. We try to cover five pieces each week in a limited time. The first is that this was the first time that NASCAR has had three first-time winners in their respective series in the same weekend and all at the same track. Tate Fogelman for Young's Motorsports and the number 12 truck went to victory lane in just a melee crash fest bloodbath of a race Saturday afternoon. And then Brandon Brown survives a bunch of carnage on his own later that same evening in the number 68 and in his family run team to win his race in the Xfinity series. And then of course you have Bubba going to victory and cup, uh, Dan, I mean, I, I don't know what's more to analyze than that. I mean, I, we know how the, 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 we know the tendencies of super speedway racing, but Dan, to have that all line up at the same time is, is pretty cool. What do you think? I agree. It's pretty phenomenal. Um, that was another thing that made the weekend so good to me for NASCAR because you, you've got, so many of the repeat winners, and it makes it so hard on the other car owners as well as the drivers. You and I both know that that to succeed in this, you've got to perform, and the more first-time winners that you do have, the better. I think it does all around for the sport as a whole, as Eric was talking about, was more eyes on the sport. It is more families. It is more things to to in the realm of talking about this and 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 it just brings so many other things to light when you have a first time winner just like the the facts that you've dug up as well as the facts that we've seen everybody else dig up is is you learn so much more about people and the sport uh, for sure Tate Fogelman who's 
dad is, I believe, Jay, is it Jay Fogelman? I always get it wrong. Jay, Jay Fogelman, who is big and, and late model and Hooters Pro Cup and stuff, such like that, and hasn't made any noise in, in parts of, I think it's three seasons in the truck series there. And for a team that doesn't come up and win a lot, in fact, two years ago, a teammate of Tate Fogelman, Spencer Boyd, had, had one of those freak Talladega wins also. So those first time wins, uh, Eric, don't, I mean, and I'm talking more on these smaller teams. You know, Bubba's with a <laughs> Bubba Wallace with a funded team and sponsors and all these people that are in. Tate Fogelman, not necessarily, and in Brandon Brown's case, they're trying to piece it together. It was a huge goal for them to win, but but Eric, it doesn't that doesn't solve all their problems just because they won a super speedway right. race. And I think that's the part that's unfortunate is that it doesn't mean more anymore. It builds the resume, but as like you say, this this there's so many variables that go into Funding a team, uh, sponsoring a team, making sure all that happens. There's so many different. Uh, I mean, you get these smaller teams, and uh, you know, you got like one person's got to wear 14 hats, probably, yeah. right? So you don't have an entire. Even after you have a win, it's not like you have a marketing team to get the most out of that, or necessarily this over there. When you're when you're smaller, obviously, it's more. It's more difficult to turn a single victory into more money or more funding than if you're if you get your first victory with a team that that is a, a larger well-funded team that has the ability to uh you know to sort of squeeze every ounce of uh, uh of possibility out of the victory for you so um it's a resume builder uh for the team and for the driver and you do with it what you can but I think the problem with being on a smaller team is just that ultimately, in the, the day, you're on a smaller team, right? Right. And you don't have the well, ability necessarily to exploit, or that's the wrong word, maximize uh, everything that a victory can bring to you, even if it's sure. just a new sponsor for next week. Uh, for sure. And that's the thing is is with the way companies are, I mean, even from the bigger to all the way to smaller companies are maximizing and diversifying their marketing Th- throwing however many thousands of dollars at a race car, even getting that one win, yeah. it doesn't mean. You know why Brandon Brown got taught? Did, did y'all see this? And I'm not trying to unpack why and all that, but Brandon Brown's name got mentioned internationally and, and nationally because the crowd was chanting "F Joe Biden" in the background. Yeah, and, I, and and whether it was conservative outlets playing it right. to, to go one way or or main the the other different mainstream or whichever you want to call them outlets, another like Sky News Australia was covering that, right? Yeah. So, but that doesn't translate into more Larry's hard lemonade money on the 68 well, also, car. Well, <laughs> also, and it might actually hurt because sure. uh, there might, if you're far enough away from it, you might think that that's something that the driver is endorsing, right? Or is part right. of, like your name is, is right next to that. I want to say I find that to be really unfortunate. It's it's not just NASCAR, by the way. It's being no, covered. Uh, people are doing it like in college and stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm old fashioned. I think sports is a place where I don't care how you voted. You know, you love, you love football or you love, uh, racing, uh, for the next three hours, you know, that's, that's where my mind is. And then we, we separate and we go back into our corners. Um, I'm kind of old fashioned on that stuff. I, I don't like it. It doesn't matter to me. You, you live in America. If you live in America, you're not always going to be a fan of, the people that are the mayor or the governor or, but especially the president, I'm old fashioned. I respect the office because different people go through it. So I'm not a fan of that, but to go back to your, um, to go back to, to, to your point, um, given the way that that will be received 
internationally or nationally, I think it could actually hurt him because it, it might seem like people, that's the only time they're seeing that yeah. guy. And they go, oh, he must be part of that movement. And, when he just, He's just happy as hell to win a race. And I heard some people, uh, some hosts even throwing the, the NASCAR, NASCAR and NBC pit reporter Kelly Stavist under the bus because she said, Oh, look, they're trying, they're chanting go Brandon Brown or whatever, right? Yeah. And let's go look, Brandon. I, I've been down there and I've interviewed drivers with your headset on. Okay. Right. All you're hearing is, rah, 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 rah. you know, you, I, I don't think it even occurred to her that that's what they were saying. And even if she was covering for it, there they are on cable TV with the F word being blared out. I mean, it yeah. wasn't like they're trying to cover it up for political reasons, people. Yeah. Okay. It's just a matter of they're trying to make it not seem like there are obscenities on TV when to the viewers, it's obvious there might be, right? I mean, a lot of people aren't going, are, you know, you can go after this person, that person. I just think it's inappropriate behavior in public. And so if right. I'm going to put any blame, I'm going to put it on the blame. Listen, they were going to do that no matter who won the race. And that's what bothers me. It, it bothers me that you use that platform to do your thing. For goodness sakes, as if we don't get enough politics in this country, this world we live in. If you want that, you can get it. So I didn't, I think those people, those people who did that chant had made the decision that they were going to do that. No matter what the no matter what the outcome was, because it's almost sure. like a tick. It's almost like it falls in the category of like one of these TikTok challenges or something. Yeah. Right? Like, well, I, I can assure you guys, I'm not going to lick a bathroom at Talladega. Okay, just to <laughs> just to put a period on that. All right, there's no doubt I'm doing that. So, right. hey, speaking of Talladega infrastructure, boys, I I just want to move us along, keep us on time. Um, uh, this was mentioned a lot. I mean, look, we know Talladega doesn't have lights. Daytona does. Talladega's always had day races. That's just the way it is, right? Well, with and, and it's not every weekend that it rains there. It's not as periodic of a pattern as it is at Daytona. Well, what, what do we run to? You know, Saturday. Oh, man, are we going to get both these races in? And they managed to do it, thankfully, despite there being rain earlier in the day. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, I was out all day Saturday. And by the way, awesome Toys for Tots event. Thank you to everybody that came down to McDonough, Georgia, and helped support that at our disc golf tournament in memory of Captain Herb Emery. But, so I didn't get to watch the truck race. I listened to the very end. I think it was de- delayed a little bit by rain, or, and then that, that pushed back the ending, and then the Xfinity race started late. But they made them both. They, they both happened, except the Xfinity race was called, to, called for darkness. That's how Brandon Brown got his win there. It was on pit road, right? Called for darkness. And then the cup race couldn't run Sunday, pushed by rain. They were about to start, pushed again by rain. And then it just got to the point where there was no way they were going to be able to run the full distance Sunday. So they, they, they kicked the can. And then Monday happens. And Monday, again, if you have lights there, maybe there's a window. Maybe you even run it at 11 p.m. and run the full race if you can. But it was an official race. Darkness was coming. The storms were there. And, and Bubba Wallace, uh, you know, beats everybody to the flag when there's a crash. And there you go. That's, that's the deal. So I'm just wondering, guys, Dan, you've run a racetrack. Granted, not a 2.66-mile racetrack, but you have run Gresham Motorsports Park. There is a push, as there is every week. Oh, the track should do this. NASCAR should do that. But we're all fired up in the moment, and then we forget about it the next week. But Talladega's got a playoff race. TV demands that these races don't start at noon and things like that. Should we maybe look at real lights, portable lights, if we're not going to get the TV time to move? I mean, is that is that too much to ask? Well, to me... Doug, Eric, you're looking at a racetrack that is, uh, what, 2.66. You're talking about such a massive amount of real estate to lie here that this just gets to me beyond 
uh, Daytona is a little bit different deal because you're surrounded by a, for the most part, your your beach. You, you you've got other lighting, other needs, and hmm. you run races throughout the season. Um, Daytona is just a little bit different. It, it's it's different in in the fact of where it's at and and what races are run there and and you can run there pretty much because the weather dictates a little bit better so you can run there a whole lot more than you can Talladega and I just look at the expense of for me what it would be to do Talladega for NASCAR it wouldn't be that hard at all and right. if 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 they're not going to ask me whether what's my opinion on it um if if TV if TV dictates that they're going to have to do it, then they're going to have to do it. But my question is, would it matter if it had been lit? Would it matter because would the rain have held off? Could you have dried the track? And that's another problem well, is it just takes forever to dry that racetrack. Well, so Eric, let me pitch it to you this way. And that was great insight, Dan. You know, it's just the a tremendous cost. Is it worth it? But here's the deal. So, Sunday, the rain knocked off and it was dry for a while, but it was dark. Is my understanding for people that were there and that that kind of stuff. So it, it, it tracks get a large part of their revenue from the TV contract. TV determines the start of the race. So I'm just thinking if T, if TV is driving the boat, which we we know that for the mm-hmm. most part they are, is it? Re- not reasonable to try to figure out a way to get some lights there, or <laughs> I mean, it, it seems to me that it, that if that if the TV money is what's driving it, then some of that may need to go into just like when people beg for safer barriers or beg for there not to be infield grass because it just destroys cars. I I think here when you're talking about the playoffs, and, and the last thing I'll say when I throw this to you, Eric, there was nobody in the stands Monday. I didn't see hardly anybody. And, yeah, it's and hard. It was, not yeah. watchable on TV. It was on NBCSN and not the big stick. It was yeah. it was in the middle of the work day. I mean, I caught most of it while doing traffic, side-eyeing it. Like, it, it just seems like there was more lost by not putting the lights than by paying the money to put the lights, Eric. Am, am I off here or am I missing something? <laughs> I always thought they didn't have lights at Talladega because they were afraid of Talladega fans at night. Is that not true? <laughs> <laughs> That's what the joke is. I... <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, um, listen, uh, I'm Dan's right, and you're right. If TV is going to be going to drive this thing, then I think that our opinions don't really matter because if that's going to be the thing, NASCAR can obviously, I guess, afford to to be a part of that. I'm a little, you know, so I think that if everything that you've laid out there, and uh, then probably we will end up with lighting there sometime in the near future. I wouldn't make a priority out of it, but then again, I'm not necessarily a big fan of some of this TV scheduling. I mean, I could the race last week. I don't. When was that supposed to start? Not. Yeah, not it was supposed about, to start at two Eastern. No, no, I don't mean the Talladega race. I mean the Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. So the reason Vegas started later in the evening, it was about five p.m. or so Vegas time, is because right. it was so effing hot there <laughs> basically oh, okay yeah they, they just to be out there it's still 90 degrees in september they they wanted it to be in the evening so it's better for people at the track it certainly was not a better okay. time in eastern time yeah okay all right so that i guess that makes some sense because i thought well you're rolling you're really competing into prime time with uh 
with the NFL? Whose idea yeah. is this? It just didn't seem like a great idea to me. And for me, I ended up watching it. I don't really know a whole lot. that would, I know that something happened to Kyle Larson. I have no idea why that happened because I wasn't yeah. watching it with the sound up because <laughs> they were competing with the with the NFL at night on a Sunday night. It just didn't make any sense to me. You know, the, and basically what happened, so Denny Hamlin won that race. It kind of got sort of, sort of close at the end. Chase Elliott was chasing him down, never could catch him. All the Hendrick cars got bid on strategy because there was a caution for a, just a, a vicious wreck by Joey Gase in stage two. And the Hendrick cars, uh, let's see, what did they do? They decided not to pit, and everybody else did. They were going to try oh. to catch another caution before the end of stage two and keep their track position. That caution never came. They had to pit under green, I believe. And again, I was watching it very casually like you. We had guests over and I couldn't fully commit to the race. But basically they lost a bunch of track position by making a pit gamble. And and they handled the two teams handled it one way, two teams handled it another. Elliott and Larson finished with top tens. Elliott's second, and I believe Larson was tenth. The other two who also crashed at Talladega, by the way, Byron and Bowman they 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 finished you know out, they finished further back than they would have run Byron had even run near the front at one point hey let's use that to to merge into this then okay and I, I know we're moving fast here guys but the the Roval is this weekend Talladega used to be the cutoff race they they flip flop with the Roval to make it so Talladega we didn't have like a Daytona cutoff race and then a Talladega one and just completely mess the sheet metal bill up and, and the hospital bills up for a lot of people. Okay. But, uh, it's a cutoff race for cup and Xfinity for the cup. This is the second round of the playoffs going for the round of 12 to the round of eight. Let me pull up the standings here. And, and actually to me, this is very compelling guys. And I'm not just being a, a, you know, huckster for the sport here or anything like that, but you have Kevin Harvick nine points below the cut line and then Christopher Bell minus 28. William Byron minus 44 and Alex Bowman minus 52. Again, both Byron and Bowman wrecked at Talladega. You also had Larson wrecking at Talladega. And although they did extensive repairs to the car, he finished, I believe it was 36 without looking at the standings. Uh, on the plus side of the cut line, you have Elliott and Kyle Busch tied at plus nine and then Blaney at plus 15 at Truex at plus 20. And then look at this, but tied for plus 20 or Truex and Kozlowski, and then plus 21 is Logano, plus 22 is Larson. There could be any of these guys can miss it. I mean, frankly, they're above the cut line. And then the ones below it, I mean, three out of the four, Bell, Larson, and Byron, excuse me, Bell, Byron, and Bowman pretty much have to win at the Roval. There's not a whole lot of strategizing out of that. And then Harvick's very close. So, I mean, we're going to a road course here, Eric, and I know I threw a lot of stuff out there. Is there anything particular you're looking for? Do you see somebody taking a big swing at it? I know you're always... Uh, you're always quick to point out when when the 24 and the and the 48 are a little bit behind the eight ball. So what, what are you seeing here? <laughs> well, I I I don't want to pick on on any drivers, um, but uh, <laughs> I don't mean that. I just you know, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just everything that you said there. But uh, what I keep in my mind, I think, well, that's a lot of drama going into this. Yes, race. a lot of there is. It's not of, it's not sealed up yeah. at all except for Hamlin. <laughs> so if someone right, so Hamlin, who else is one? Uh, so Hamlin is the only one that has clinched a spot into the next round because okay. Bubba Wallace won the Talladega race, right. and then right. Larson had a crummy race, and Logano Kozlowski don't have a lot of playoff points. So anybody from second to eighth in points, that's only a twenty-two gap or twenty-two point gap before you get to the guys outside the bubble. Yeah, so I mean, I don't, I, I don't. As far as putting my, I think you have to put your eye on all of it, right? So anything, this is truly a race where. Um, you know, if if Larson, you know, tears his car up in the first 
10 laps or or uh so you could have someone someone who has had a hell of a season like Larson uh-huh. be out of it be out of it very early and then someone like Byron who maybe we didn't think was going to get through to the round maybe ends up in you know looks looks to me pretty exciting about all the different outcomes that can be had it seems like more than normal going into yes. uh going from the second to the third the third round so i i wouldn't zero in on anybody necessarily but just be excited about i guess this is why you want playoffs right you want to have races <laughs> like this and then you go to the roval which is you know a little bit of a wild card in and of itself so all i can say is uh i'm just excited because we all know motorsports anything can yeah. happen on any lap when you have this many people who's uh whose futures for the rest of the season are dependent upon it. Um, one thing I'm for sure is uh, at the end of that race, I think we're going to have some very angry people and some very oh, happy yeah. people. Somebody's well, going to get in that didn't think they were going to, and somebody's not going to get in who a few weeks ago thought that it was uh, a slam dunk. All right, so Dan, your nephew, Chase, we we love pointing out in this podcast to give a gravitas that we have a guy on here who is – very much related to the defending Cup Series champion. I, I, I'm I'm unashamed in saying that. Dan, your nephew's won the last two Rovals. Everybody knows he's good at road courses. I, I, but And Chase has shown a lot of sneaky speed these playoffs, even though he's not leading a ton of laps and, and, and such. So, I mean, and you also have just nine points behind Mr. Elliott, the guy that really scrapped with him at Bristol, Mr. Harvick. So, Dan, what do, what do you kind of think about Chase being so close to the line but yet having so much speed? You know, that was what we talked about was before this all began was the Henrik cars and the fact that, you know, you, you look at Talladega and Talladega was not good to the Henrik cars. Nope. So did, did they kind of suffer their agony of defeat at Talladega and are they going to come into the Roval, uh, more determined than ever to get a car in through that and, and I think that they will. I think that um, you've got a prime opportunity to come into Charlotte and really make a lot of ground up in areas that might not exactly have been because of anything yeah. you personally have done. It just fate turned out that way, fickle finger fate. So um, <laughs> going going into Charlotte, I I look for the Roval to be another as it was. Uh, not saying that they're not going to have to race for everything that they get. Uh, like Eric said, like you said, as far as the, uh, there's, there's, there's going to be some drivers that are really going to have to push the envelope to, to get where they need to be. And, yes. um, we're just going to have to see if that same scenario may play out where Chase missed the corner and uh-huh. slid into one of the, uh, obstacles there and was still able to win the race okay i yeah. think it's going to have to be that kind of day to where that we're going to see some phenomenal racing I, I truly believe i cannot wait because i'll be stationed up in the grandstands uh, kind of where the main grandstands ha- have a part in them before the condos begin 
and it'll be right where it turn, it's coming out of the infield. Okay, so turn six, seven, and then eight is the turn where you go, you turn left and go back up onto the main Charlotte Oval and head toward NASCAR turn one, if you will. So that, I cannot wait for it. I'll be there with PRN. Uh, Chase Elliott, by the way, you mentioned that was 2019. He rebounded from nose and he- nose first into the tire barriers to chasing down Kevin Harvick and winning that race. The first of what became two rovals in a row. Harvick, that main foe right there, has been not good at road course racing this year, or really very much at all. And he and I, Harvick, I know guys had his eggs in the basket to do well at Talladega. He led some laps. I have a feeling he would have been right there for the win had had the race not been cut short. And so he sits yeah. there nine to the bad. Remember, for the guys that are even worse on the cut line, Christopher Bell, he won the Daytona road course earlier this year. So he figured out how to do it. He held off Kyle Larson to do that and beat Joey Logano as well. William Byron has won, run well on road courses, but not won. And Alex Bowman has survived elimination by driving way above what people expected him to do to be able to advance uh, when this Roval race was a cutoff. I believe it was last year, and I think two years ago, too. So a lot of stuff can happen. Kyle oh. Busch is right there very close to falling out of the playoffs and has struggled on the Roval course. And Denny Hamlin has not has not done well in the Roval course, but he's clinched into the next round. So a lot to cover. But Brad Keselowski is plus twenty. One last thing: Brad Keselowski is plus twenty, but he has been terrible for whatever reason. The two car has on road courses this year, so you know that even with that buffer, a couple of bad stages, and they're right on the line. Yes, Eric. So I'm I'm wondering about uh, like not team orders necessarily, but the kind of meetings that are happening, at Hendrick. So tell me if I'm yeah. right about this. Two Hendrick drivers are below the below the line, and two Hendrick drivers are above the line, right? That's correct. Yeah, the two that are okay. below, Byron and Bowman, minus 44 and 52, respectively. Now you guys have been on the inside more. If I'm if if I'm Rick Hendrick, am I? Is it different to me if those two drivers are driving hard near each other to make it past that are below the line, or but like so? If I do, I say to Bowman and Byron, listen. This is it. You go for it. You do what you need to do, um, which maybe even on the last, who knows what you like you. This is a road course. You do what you need to do. If you need one more spot to make this happen, is it? And if I and I say to Chase and, and Kyle Larson, same thing, you do what you guys. But is do I feel differently if it's Bowman challenging uh, Chase at some point or well, or Byron challenging uh, Larson? Are the rules the same? Do you say, does everybody have to play nice? I think you're just not supposed to wreck your teammate. I think basically, Dan, am I wrong? Don't wreck your teammate. Race the hell out of them. Don't wreck them. Am I right? Is that? Well, I think this is something that you're going to have to look at as the race unfolds because you don't even have, there will be no practice for this either, will it? Yeah. No, there's no practice or qualifying, which means if you finish bad at Talladega, you finish, I mean, you're starting, you know, toward the back of the top 12 there because the playoff drivers start up front. Yeah. Yeah, but if you start the race and, and you can tell at the start of the race of your of your cars, really, who's got it and who don't. Right. You, you, can, you can see it evolve as the race plays out. You're going to have to really, really play this close to the chest on as this race progresses and how your strategy is going to play. This I game they, is going to be no different, no, no different than a, than a really close ball game and having to play this thing every second of the game. But as an owner, and I, I know that uh, obviously, um, you know, uh, Chase is your nephew, 
Um, as an owner, let's say outside of this, um, I won't even use Chase as, a, as an example. Just for the example, I'll, I'll use Kyle Larson and William Byron. So as as an owner, is it okay for me to think that one of those drivers is more likely to advance if they make it than the other? Or do you just go, look, I'm paying all of them. They all have sponsors. And I'm just going to go with what Dan said. Who's got the who's got the good equipment tonight? Who's you know? Do you think ahead? Like ah, I think if this driver gets in round, he probably bring me a or do you just at it all and just go with all right? Who's got you tonight? Who's got the equipment? Yeah, I and you're cutting out a little bit, Eric. But I heard what you said. Yeah, do you do you show favorite? Like, do you, I think if you're Larson and Elliott and you're Rick Hendrick, you know these cars have a point buffer and are more likely to perform well. So you, they, they Larson doesn't have to be risky. That means Larson could let Bowman and Byron pass him, right? I mean, he doesn't have to win. He just right. needs to manage his day and make sure he doesn't fall out. Whereas Elliott's right on the edge, but he's probably good enough to run well. And with the other guys, I think you just got to say, hey, Larson, if you're going for the win, don't dive bomb Byron if he's leaving, (laughs) if he's leading. I mean, I think, I think they would play well together. That's, that's how I would approach it. I don't know. Well, I think that's, that's, that's winning, but tell me if I'm wrong. I know we have to go here. Is there a possibility that somehow the race would play out that they would both be racing for like the last spot? Is that or is that not, not possible? Not, if if, if, I don't, if Larson I mean, or, or Chase Elliott, if they're in it, they're going to be in it by so much that 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 possibility couldn't play out. It, Byron is minus forty four. I mean, you could get more points than forty four in a race, but it's. I mean, you would have to. He would have to have a lot of things line up to be able to finish second, third, or fourth and still advance into the round of eight. So I think okay. pretty much Byron and oh, Bowman are only in win mode, win. whereas Elliott and Larson okay. are in perform well, manage the day mode. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that's, yeah but that I think basically, Eric, yeah. to answer the question, I think Eric, to answer the question, yeah, at some point in time, you are probably, you and I both know that that the owners don't want to think it very often, but you and I both know that they, at some point in time, they got to play favorites on who you think is better than the other or yeah. who has shown the best performance up to this point. And that's what you got to base it on, is the fact that, that those two cars have outperformed those two cars. And you got to figure that i, I got to throw all of my apples into this basket over here with these two drivers and hope and pray that these other two can get the opportunity to show something that has not surfaced just yet, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I get it's, it's it's very interesting. Obviously, what I didn't realize is but so what you're saying is Byron and Bowman have to win. Yeah, they have basically. To win. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but barring yeah. again like several black helicopters and a few things right. lining up, yes. Right. Okay. I, I mean, that's you. that's basically. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if I was an owner, though. If I was an owner and, and I had to choose favorites, if the if the possibility was a little bit different, I would just look at my other guys and say, hey, earn it throughout the regular season. You know, put yourself in a position where you're the guy I'm looking at like that. That's the way I would deal with it. Yeah. 
Yeah, maybe so. Hey, want to mention so that and that's that's big. That's going to be Sunday, of course, at, at Charlotte Motor Speedway there on the Roval at Xfinity Series racing Saturday. And I know we don't get we're not going to get to go in depth here. Just want to point out this is an elimination race. Also, Harrison Burton is plus eight on the cut line, and the other guys are eighteen points and above. It's not quite as scintillating of a race. Nobody is locked into the next round though because Brandon Brown won last week, and Josh Berry won at Vegas the week before that. So there are no playoff winners that have happened in the first round of the Xfinity playoffs. The drivers below the bubble, Jeb Burton minus eight, and then guys that, I mean, pretty much are going to have to win that had some bad races at Vegas and Talladega. Myatt Snyder, Riley Herbst, Jeremy Clements, and I mentioned Jeb Burton there too. So that's going to be something where, you know, I think Burton could claw out of the hole, but Myatt Snyder's going to, he's, you know, not shown a lot of speed this year. He did win the race at Homestead. He's, he's going to have to show something, pretty much have to win. And, and same with Herbst and Clemens. All right. Hey, last thing, guys, here, and I want to ask you, Dan, about this first. We did hear during the rain delay Sunday for NASCAR the tragic news out of Athens about the loss of a, of a Georgia driver. And those are close home for me because they're the ones I've gotten to know the most. Uh, not, not that I'm close friends with the har- hardly anybody, but John West Townley had a reputation in NASCAR riding the Zaxby's money. He used to have the nickname John Rex Weekly and all that, but you can't separate the fact that he did have about a decade or so long NASCAR career, raced with some pretty good teams with Childress, and eventually with his own team, his father's team that he started, Athenian Motorsports, and and uh, actually won a truck race in Vegas in 20 uh, yeah, Vegas in 2015. He won a couple of Arca Daytona races as well. So he, he wasn't a flash in the pan. He did have a presence in the sport for a long time. And that doesn't make it any more or less tragic that he was gunned down this past Saturday night in Athens. And the, as the reports surfaced, we found out he and his wife had become divorced. She was stay, she was staying at the house of somebody else or they were at the same house together. And Townley showed up, the police say, with an axe and was either threatening them or actually getting ready to, to do some bad business. And unfortunately, he got gunned down in self-defense from the owner there, and I don't believe they're pressing charges. That That's the story, and I think everybody's heard it. And, Dan, I would imagine that in your years you somehow would have crossed paths with them. I know they raced at Gresham a little bit before he went NASCAR racing full-time. Uh, I mean, I guess I just would like to hear from you on it, Dan, especially about this deal, because this is a very I mean, tragic story on a lot of levels for a lot of people. Yeah, the racing community is a very small, tight-knit community, and any time you have a loss like this, it, it's sad to think that you lost John West, but also, too, uh, heart, sympathy, and prayers go out to the family because yes. this goes beyond the racing. This is, uh, to me, this, this gets more personal. And, um, and the family, I'm, I'm so sorry for the family who has to struggle with whatever happened with this and, and whatever will come out of this. And, um, it, it's just sad. And, uh, no matter who it is, but like I say, racing community tries to stick together like, like other communities do. And, uh, I'd love to be able to say that there was something I could do, but, uh, there's, there's not anything that I know of I can do other than to just offer up to the family that, uh, prayers definitely go out to them and, and, and really sad for the loss. Yes, yeah, uh, for, for sure. And, and it's just a really, I mean, he, Eric, this is a guy, and I think it's okay to say this. I hope it is. I always felt John West 
was was not comfortable in his own skin when he was around a race car. And I didn't know him anything but as a racer. I did not ever hang out with him or see whatever else he was up to or any other hobbies. Um, he, you know, he he and I had a, the last time I had an interview with him. I think one of the last times was right after he won his Vegas truck race. And and I even asked him how he came up with the name Athenian Motorsports. And and you know, uh, Eric, he was somebody who lost his ride at Richard Childress Racing for being a minor in possession in alcohol and and had a DUI and was you know just some strange stuff that happened over his career that that kind of kept him troubled. And 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 I always felt for him in a way because I just felt like he wasn't comfortable in his own skin. That's the best I can say. And I don't have hard evidence of that, really. It's just something I felt. So well, well, what are some of your thoughts about this deal? Well, I mean, I can only really echo what Dan said. I I never met him. What we see now, um, you know, in hindsight, you know, there was a lot of obviously, however this shakes out and whatever the facts ultimately end up being, you know, there was a lot of trouble there, a lot of complication. And like Dan I uh, I just I just think of the family that um, you know they're going through a lot right now and uh, it just must be hard. It just I'm sure it's it just must be hard and and also his ex-wife who was accidentally harmed uh-huh. while while uh, what we know right now seems to have been self-defense. What we'll find out in the future, I don't know, but what we know For right sure. now seems to have been self-defense, and so she was injured in that and. And I don't know, it's just, you know, it's just really, you, you never know, you know, you gotta, uh, you never know what's going on with people. That's all I had to say. You just, uh, yeah. we think we know, you think right, you know right. everybody that's in your life, but we all have an, uh, an inner life that's going on. And, uh, for something to end up in that kind of explosion and that kind of tragedy, um, then there were a lot of steps, obviously, that got there. And, um, you know, now that it's, been, it's happened the way that it's happened, and he's gone now. I just, uh, I just feel for the family who um, are going to have to, as Dan said, and I will add to it. This is going to take a long time to um, to digest and understand, yeah. and and move away from. And I just wish them the the best of luck moving forward. They're going to go through an awful lot of uh, tough, trying times, and. Um, there is light on the other side, but I'm sure that they're nowhere near being able to see that. And uh, just, I just offer them, you know, my best wishes for as, you know, as sort of impotent as that sounds to say something like that in the face of such tragedy. Um, it's going to be hard, and and I'm thinking about them. That's yeah. all you can do. That's all you can do is send your best wishes. That that's for sure. And yeah, I know his uh, the guy that did PR for him for a long time. He used to ride for the AJC and and used to help us on the Allen Vigil 120. And uh, Dan, I know you know him too, Jeff Hood. And as soon as I saw the rumors, I actually saw Bubba Wallace's tweet about about oh my gosh, you know, rest in peace, JWT. And then I started looking for it. I, I, that, that's the first time I learned about it. And then I found the the article that was shared for the Athens Banner Herald. But uh, Dan, I know uh, you know Jeff Hood. And I texted Jeff, and, and obviously Jeff, Jeff was just on a few words there. It's like it's a tragic loss, uh, and and nobody, you know, you go one day and the next and don't even realize someone's gone. Tony Townley, as many of you know, is the co-founder of Zaxby's, so they're you know prominent in their community, and it's just a t- tough, tough deal for that. So, um, I really, really appreciate you all weighing in on that, and everybody just say a prayer for the Townley family and to the family of you know the gentleman that had to fire the shots, and to, and to the ex-wife too, who's recovering from a serious abdominal wound uh, in that altercation. And I always feel bad, even when somebody's wrong, that they got to the spot where they were wrong. 
you know? Right. I, that's, well, that makes yeah, you sense. would hope so. that it would have been resolved at a different point, right? But, you know, yeah. sometimes tragedies, unfortunately, just do happen in this world. And, yeah. and it's for it's for those of us that are left behind to sort of pick up the pieces and, and, and help heal. And I know probably a lot of people that are listening to this probably are know that family in some way. And, you know, that's all that's all you do as friends and loved ones is you just kind of step in and as much as you can, you try to help the healing process it takes a long time. Uh, absolutely. Well, and, and, and I think in honor of that, instead of us doing some parting words and, and farewells like that, we just want to leave on that. Check in, check in on your, check in on your people. I mean, I, again, I wasn't friends or something with John West Townley. I had no idea what was going on, but you, you really lit a thought off of my mind, Eric, because you don't know what's up with people. Check in on your folks. Don't be shy to call or text a friend just because it's awkward. You hadn't spoken to him in a while. Be sure to check in on them. And then when you know people are going through something, don't just think, oh, they're hearing from enough people. Be sure and reach out, whatever way it is, however tried it might seem, because it means a lot. And when I've gone through my times, it, it meant a lot to me when people did that. So that, thank you guys for joining today and, and for covering a lot of the ups and the downs that we, that we dealt with Talladega. And uh, Eric, I know I know we were past your cutoff time there, but I appreciate you tacking this on at the end of your long day. Thank you, sir. Um, absolutely. A pleasure to be here. Hey, and, and Dan, thank you. I know you got some more uh, transmissions to build and cars to make go fast, but I'm really appreciative of you and your family, sir. Thank you so much, and y'all have a great day, and be careful. We'll be back with y'all. We definitely will. We'll be back with y'all next week after the Roval. Thank you for listening to 5 to Go. God bless and be safe out there. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 